I want you to ask yourself a question over the next 20-some days or specifically. Um, I want you to ask yourself this question. How does the birth of Jesus change my life? How does the birth of Jesus change my life? And we're going to talk about three different kind of scenarios. Today we're going to talk about how does Jesus, the birth of Jesus, change the life of someone who is not religious? How does the birth of Jesus change the life of someone who is not religious or irreligious, anti-religious? Next week, Pastor Don's going to speak. I, t- I flip-flop with him just to, I knew he'd need a little more time next week. So he'll speak next week. And he's going to talk about how does Jesus change the life, the birth of Jesus, impact the life of the religious. He's going to talk about a couple named Anna and Simeon in particular. And then the last week, you know, on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about stories of how does the birth of Jesus change you and I. So this morning, how does the birth of Jesus change the life of the irreligious or the anti-religious? Some of you in this room this morning may feel like, oh, well, that's me. I'm not very religious or I'm kind of anti-religious. I'm just here because my grandkids were seen or whatever and I'm just, just here to, to appease somebody else or whatever. I'm just, I'm not really super religious. How does the birth of Jesus change my life? How does it impact my life? And this morning, real briefly, we're going to talk about a guy named Barabbas. And his story is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he's named specifically in each one of our Gospels. Like there's lots of people in the Bible and lots and lots of people, their names are not even given. But yet this guy named Barabbas, his story was that important that all the Gospel writers specifically call out his name. They tell us his name. They tell us his story. The name Barabbas is actually two words. There's... The first part is B-A-R, bar, and that means the son of, okay? So sometimes they would refer to, like, Peter as Simon Bar Jonas, the son of Jonas. So that name Bar means the son of, and the second part of his name, Abbas, A-B-B-A-S, actually means the son of a father, which, I don't know, must have been a kind, I don't know if it was, but he was the son of a father. Okay, well, doesn't tell us what specific father, but just the son of a father, and the question is this morning, or some of us are kind of going to kind of find ourselves that we're a little bit more like Barabbas than what we realize. We're a little bit more like this irreligious guy than what we realize. So his story is found in Luke chapter 23. I'm going to read to you a little bit, and I'm going to kind of interweave some of the other gospel writers because they fill in some details like, well, who is this dude, Barabbas? Why is his story important, and how does the birth of Jesus change his life? Luke chapter 23 is the story. It's Good Friday. It's the day that Jesus is going to go to the cross. And I'm sure on this day that Barabbas woke up on that Friday morning having no idea that his life was about to be changed. He probably woke up that morning thinking, oh, today is the day I die. Barabbas was, again, um, a man who was a notorious sinner. He was a murderer. He was rebellious. And he was going to go to the cross, a cross, not the cross, but he was going to go to a cross. And he was going to die for being rebellious, for being an insurrectionist. And so we're told the story about what happened on the day that he was supposed to go to a, cro- go to a cross to die for being a rebellious guy. Luke chapter 23 tells us this, this story. It says, Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders. Jesus had been on trial and He's getting ready to go to the cross, and Jesus is going to present Barabbas. He's going to present Jesus and say, well, who do you want to die today? 
So we're kind of, this is the backdrop of that story. This Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders among the people, and he announced his verdict. He said, you brought this man, meaning Jesus, to me, accusing him, again, Jesus, of leading a revolt. I have examined Jesus, I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence, and I find him innocent. Herod, also another leader, came to the same conclusion, and he sent him back to us, talking about Jesus. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged, and then I will have him release him. Matthew 27 fills in a little bit of the details of what's going on. It says it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover, this Jewish religious holiday. It was the custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd. Anyone they wanted could be released. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. Mark 15. It says one of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas. He was a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. Back to Matthew. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, they knew that he would be presenting somebody to be released. As they gathered that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, this notorious sinner, this murderer, this, re- this person who leads rebellions? Or Jesus? Who's called the Messiah, the one who I found nothing wrong with him. Verse 20. The leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas, this murderer, to be released. And they asked for Jesus to be put to death. The governor's like, what? Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Did I hear you right? You want me to release Barabbas, this murderer, this rebellious guy, this this thug? Is that who you want me to release? The crowd shouted back, no, Barabbas. Then what should I do with Jesus, who's called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate's like, this leader's like, why? What crime has Jesus committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Then a mighty roar rose, Luke 23 says, then a mighty roar rose from the crowd with one voice. They shouted, kill him, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection right there in Jerusalem against the Roman government and for murder. Pilate says he argued with them. Because he wanted to release Jesus. He knew there was nothing wrong. That Jesus was innocent. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Now you've got to imagine again, Barabbas woke up that day thinking, well, I'm going to a cross today. Today's my day that I'm dying. I deserve it. I know it. There's nothing anyone can do. Today's the day I die. Crowd shouting about Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, Pilate demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence Jesus to death. So I will have him flogged. Then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder. 
demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. Verse 25, as they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection, the man in prison for murder. The crowd would have rather had a murderer than Jesus. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. How does the birth of Jesus affect the life of a person like Barabbas? There's four things I want you to write down in your notes on the backside. You can fill in. The, the yellow is always the fill-in on the backside of your, of your notes there. How does the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, affect Barabbas, this notorious sinner? Number one, Jesus dies on that day or Barabbas dies? Jesus dies on that day that a man like Barabbas may live. I wrote on the, actually on the slide, it's not on your notes, but it comes to this. Barabbas must die or Jesus must die. You and I, a sinner like Barabbas, would perish also. Or Christ, Emmanuel, must die. Jesus dies that we, like Barabbas, may be delivered. I thought about a couple of passages of Scripture that kind of illustrate that, teach us that. Isaiah chapter 53 says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon Jesus, laid upon him the sins of us all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Jesus Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Why? So that we can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. And finally, 1 Peter 3, 18. Christ himself suffered for sins once. He was not guilty, but Jesus suffered so that those of us who are guilty can be brought to God. That day, Jesus died so that Barabbas didn't have to die. I think the second thing I think about the life of Jesus and how does he affect this irreligious person. Jesus doesn't just die instead of Barabbas, but Jesus dies in his place. Jesus died as Barabbas' substitute. He died as a substitute. Romans tells us this, that God showed his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we are still sinners. Jesus died as Barabbas' substitute. How does Jesus, the birth of Jesus, affect the life of Barabbas? The just one dies for the unjust. Jesus bears the sin of many, and now he makes intercession. He Praise for you. Can you believe that? Jesus is praying for us. Third thing. I already told you this. The name Barabbas means actually son of the father. Though Jesus, through Jesus' substitution, you and I become a Barabbas ourselves. We become a son of the father. Because of what Jesus has done, we become adopted into the family of God. 
We become the son of Father God. Galatians 3 says this, verse 26, says that you, for we all are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, that we become children of God. Lastly, as I think about this story, just like the crowd chose Barabbas and they hated Jesus, I learned and I remember when I read this story that when you follow Jesus, that we're not going to be or we shouldn't be surprised when the crowd goes against us as followers of Jesus. It's hard to believe that the crowd would rather have this notorious sinner, this murderer, than Jesus Christ. So often as Christians, we know that we're going to suffer persecution. We know that the crowd, those who aren't following Jesus, are going to choose the sinner rather than choosing you. They're going to like, oh yeah, follow, let's follow this person. Let this person be free. Let's not, you know, and then as a, as a Christ follower, we know we're going to be persecuted. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 18 and 19, if the world hates me, if it hates you, remember that it hate, hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it hates you. That story of Barabbas reminds me, oh yeah, no wonder I feel that persecution at times when I'm trying to follow Jesus Christ. I know that's the way they treated Jesus. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Jesus, we are uh, overwhelmed by your presence here this morning. That you are enough, Jesus. You're enough. We pray and we ask, Jesus, that you would forgive us for relying and depending upon ourselves, our own devotion, our own commitment, our own sense of righteousness. Jesus, help us this morning to turn to you, to trust you. You're enough, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you will do our hearts and our lives. Jesus, your birth is all about you. Forgive us for making it about something or somebody else. But it's about you. Set us free. Set us free from those chains of bondage. Help us to live our lives completely sold out for you. <clears throat> 